Let us vote yes for Prop 15 and invest in schools and communities, not just for us now, but for our grandchildren and our children later. It's, it's something worth doing. This is bad for California consumers, it's bad for California taxpayers. California doesn't need a $12 billion tax hike in the middle of the pandemic that we're facing and now the rolling blackouts. Welcome back to Upvote California, a podcast for California voters. This is the first episode in our 2020 ballot proposition series for the November elections, where we cover each issue on the ballot and bring on experts to talk about both sides. I'm your host, Brian Atwood. On this podcast, we're going to cover Proposition 15, the Tax on Commercial and Industrial Properties for Education and Local Government Funding Initiative. 2020's Prop 15 would overturn some of 1978's landmark Proposition 13 and change the tax code so that commercial properties are taxed at their market value instead of based on their original purchase price. Tax issues aren't too exciting, admittedly, but this could be an effective state revenue increase from 8 to $12.5 billion annually, largely going to local governments and education. Opponents of the proposition, however, say that this will hit businesses too hard, making California less attractive to businesses and that the funds won't be allocated efficiently. We're lucky to have on the program Reverend Ben McBride, co-director at PICO and one of the signers of the proposition, to talk about why you should vote in favor of Prop 15. In presenting the arguments against Prop 15, we're joined by Rex Heim, president and CEO at the California Business Properties Association. Before we get to the interviews, we present a quick summary and some key facts. As most of you know, Prop 13 was passed in 1978 and made it so that property taxes were based on the purchase price of the property and not on the market value as it is in most of the rest of the country. The goal was to prevent older homeowners from getting priced out of their homes due to high taxes. It led to what some call a taxpayer revolt throughout the country and is often called the third rail in California politics. Prop 13 also used the same metric on commercial and industrial properties. This year's Prop 15 attempts to change the Constitution so that these properties are taxed based on their market value, which may be far greater than the purchase price. The Legislative Analyst Office estimates annual tax revenues will be on the order of 8 to $12.5 billion as taxes become adjusted to market values. There are some carve-outs for some businesses. For commercial property owners that own less than $3 million worth of property, and for agricultural properties, they'll still be taxed according to the purchase price. Also, business personal property for small businesses will be exempted, resulting in a savings of $1 billion for small businesses. Revenue from the tax will be allocated to counties to implement the measure, and then 60% will go to local governments and 40% will go to fund education. Let's take a look at who is funding the Prop 15 marketing efforts. Supporters have raised about $21 million, with the largest donors being the California Teachers Association PAC, the SEIU California State Council, and the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Opposition committees have raised almost $6 million, with the largest donors being California Business Roundtable Issues, Long Point Development, and Fornado Reality Trust. Let's turn now to our experts to discuss the pros and cons of Prop 15. I would like to welcome Reverend Ben McBride to the podcast today to talk about supporting arguments for Proposition 15. Ben's accomplishments are too many to list, but he has been involved in many Bay Area and statewide programs for peace and justice. 
Most recently, Ben is the co-director at PICO California, the largest grassroots organization in the state, and focuses on many issues there and works with religious communities across California to address structural racism and injustice. Ben was one of the signers of Prop 15, so we're fortunate to have his expertise on the program. Thank you for joining Upvote California, Ben. Thanks, Brian, for having me. Uh, can you start with explaining Proposition 15 briefly and why you think it is important for Californians to vote yes? Absolutely. Well, in 1978, with the passage of Prop 13, we were seeking in the state of California to try to ensure that the taxation that was happening around properties would be protected so as to ensure that property taxes for homeowners would not go up. But what happened in the passage of that proposition is it also looped in commercial properties into that policy. And so what we ended up experiencing as the result of that was that corporations, primarily the top corporations, a small percentage of them, were not having to contribute to any property taxes over the last 40 years. And what we found is that that bankrupted many of our communities across the state to continue to invest in schools and after-school programs and park and recreation services for many of our children across the state. And it, in turn, created a social dynamic that happened in the 80s and the 90s that led to the rise of mass incarceration. And during that 40-year period, we built one university in California and over 20 prisons. And so one of the things that we're trying to hold up is that the disinvestment in communities over that 40-year period led to a real uh, gap around who belongs and who does it in our society. And so Proposition 15, Schools of Communities First, is about ensuring that commercial properties who have way more resources than what they need just pay their fair share of corporate taxes so that we can have the necessary revenue to create a rising tide for our, all children and all communities across California. And so Schools and Communities First, which really only targets about the top 10% earning corporations in California, will create nearly $12 billion of revenue to be invested in schools and public services so that we can ensure that our children are being resourced in a way that agrees with our values. Mm -hmm. I think one of the main arguments um, against Prop 15 is that these eight to $12 billion in, in commercial property taxes per year will hurt businesses and especially small businesses. And they'll just end up getting passed down to consumers in the form of higher prices. So can you address that concern about how this uh, might impact uh, businesses? Yeah, well, you know, 88% of all California commercial and industrial properties have a market value of $3 million or less. And so they will not be impacted by the passage of Prop 15. It's important for us to hold that because your average small business that is employing families, mothers and fathers, and helping to support the community will not be impacted by the, the passage of Prop 15. What we're really focused on in this reality are the very large corporations with whom we're not here to try to bring about some demonizing of the corporations. They also play a part in helping to employ people across the country and ensure that we can remain a prosperous state. But we want to ensure that, for example, a great company like Apple, who we all use, many of us do use their products, 
but they are still listed as the Blackberry Farms property that they first established their operation on. So they're not paying any property tax that could help support the communities and many of us that are resourcing their corporation. The Dodger Stadium that, that built that billion dollar apparatus in Southern California is not paying any property taxes that can support the communities that are there. So this is not about passing an undue burden onto um, larger corporations. It's simply asking to pay their fair share. It's protecting the 88% of small businesses who should not be impacted by it. It is not doing anything for any of our personal uh, homeowners. And we do think that one of the things it does that benefits small businesses is it helps to level the playing field. And even for newer corporations like tech companies who are paying a current rate of property taxes, many of these companies who inherited, you know, properties from 40 years ago have a competitive uh, uh, advantage against new entrepreneurs and new startups, new young people who have gone to school and are trying to help to bring innovation in California. We feel like we need to level the playing field that makes sure that there's fair competition and that there's equitable investment in our communities. Okay. Um, I just wanted to um, ask one more question. We're trying to keep these segments short this year. Um, so I just have one quick question since you are one of the, the signers of the prop. And I, I noticed that uh, a lot of the the marketing around Prop 15 and, and what the messaging is, is about um, money for schools. But uh, looking at the breakdown, I see that 60% of these new uh, taxes are going to be allocated to uh, city and local government. So can you kind of talk about why that decision was made um, just real briefly? Yeah, well, we know that at the end of the day, um, we don't want overreach of government, but we know that in a democracy, we need to have governments that work. And we know that the majority of people who are finding themselves living underneath the poverty gap are dependent on ensuring that we have strong governments that can provide the kinds of support services for families that are in need. And so the, the resources that go to our local governments will go for basic needs that we have, libraries. They will go for fire safety. They will go for public safety. Now, we know we're in this call right now. Many of us are seeking to really transform the conversation around public safety. We're not wanting to move more money to police. We're actually wanting to move more money to communities. So these mon the money that comes to local governments right now will be going to the policing apparatus. But we in communities are going to be having conversations with local law enforcement leaders around how we can repurpose those dollars for violence reduction programs, and evidence-based strategies like the one we've used in Oakland that reduced homicides by 50% over five years, we can reinvest those dollars, moving them away from police into community so that we can save the lives of young people in our community and create stronger relational networks. So that 60% that's going to government is really about public safety and about community-based services. There still will be a necessary conversation in the years to come around how those are properly allocated so we can ensure we are really living into the values um, that the initiative is intended to serve. Okay, thank you. That's that's great uh, clarification on that. Um, just my last question. Voters have a, a ton of things to keep track of when they vote in this election. There's 12 statewide propositions and many more local measures and candidates. So if there's one thing about Prop 15 that a listener can take with them into the polling booth, uh, what would that be? I want you to envision the world and the California that you want your child and your grandchild to live into. Right now, we are living in the imagination of what people thought about in 1978 
we have the opportunity to create a California that will outlive us and one that our grandchildren can inherit. Let us vote yes for Prop 15 and invest in schools and communities, not just for us now, but for our grandchildren and our children later. We get the chance to build a better future for them. It's, it's something worth doing. Well, that was great. That was very helpful, Ben. We want to thank you for joining the podcast today. Thank you. We're now going to turn over to opposing arguments against Proposition 15, and we're happy to welcome Rex Heim to the podcast. Rex is the president and CEO of CBPA, the California Business Properties Association. Founded in 1972 and with a membership of over 10,000, CBPA is the designated legislative advocate for many real estate organizations, including the International Council of Shopping Centers, the Building Owners and Managers Association of California, the Retail Industry Leaders Association, and many others. Rex has deep experience fighting for California businesses, so we're fortunate to have his opinions on the podcast today. Thank you for joining Upvote California, Rex. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here. Um, Can you please explain Proposition 15 briefly and why you think it is important for Californians to vote no? Uh, To explain it briefly is to point out that it's the largest property tax increase in the history of the state. Uh, It could be as high as $12 billion. The California Assessors Association has said it's going to cost a billion dollars just to implement, and they're the people who have to collect the taxes. Uh, And they've also said it's going to cost between 400 and 500 million dollars a year to keep doing what they measure wants them to do. Um, And I I believe this is the wrong time uh, to be taxing any form of businesses in California. We're struggling through this pandemic. Our restaurants have been closed. Our small retailers have been closed. Uh, this is just not the time to have business to have to pay more taxes. And in reality, I think we all know that business passes taxes on the consumer. And I don't think any more of us, we don't need to be paying any more for the goods that we purchase or services we receive. Okay, thank you for that intro. Uh, I think the main argument by uh, supporters of this proposition is how the current system under Prop 13 uh, unfairly, they, they claim it unfairly pu- punishes businesses that have purchased property recently since they're having to, you know, compete with businesses that purchased their property many, many years ago and are paying far less in property taxes. So can you talk about that argument and why you think we need to keep the Prop 13 as it stands for, for commercial property taxes? Sure, Brian. Um, first off, the, the California Constitution, since we became a state, has always treated uh, all properties the same way. So they've all been taxed the same way for historic forever in California. Prop 13 came along and all it did was establish a system whereby those properties would be taxed, how they would be taxed. And they set up a system whereby you have a purchase price, you take 1% of that, that becomes your base year, and then your tax can be increased up to 2% each year thereafter. Or if you do tenant improvements or if you do home improvements on your house, then you get reassessed accordingly. Uh, the question you're raising is, what about people who buy now versus people who bought 10 years ago? Well, the, the real issue is that means, you know what, the person who bought this year in five or six years is going to be the person who bought like the person is 10 years ago. So, I mean, the benefit is knowing the certainty and the certainty is what's most important. Whether you're a first time home buyer or a new business who's just bought some property, knowing what you're going to have to pay in taxes is very important. Um, and probably for homeowners more so even than businesses. But if you don't know what you're paying, it doesn't make any difference whether you own your property five years, 10 years, or just bought it. 
because if the taxes can consistently change, you have no way to plan or be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Um, I think um, it, this is still a little bit early in the election cycle, so I think more news is going to come out about this. But recently, the news has been about the voter guide, which is not out yet. Uh, but there's been some lawsuits around um, the ballot title and the, the arguments for both sides. Um, I think the, uh, the opponents claim the title of this proposition is misleading, and some of the comments in the, in the, in the arguments are uh, not accurate. Um, have you been following these, and, and can you kind of um, comment on any inaccuracies or clarifications you think that uh, voters would be uh, interested in? Sure. Yeah, you're correct. There were a lot of uh, lawsuits filed. Uh, I think the attorney general was sued by six different groups, not just ours. Uh, mm -hmm. And the back and forth that came about between the language of, of ours in particular is that, as you know, uh, Prop 15 actually has been two different measures. Uh, there was one that was circulated and qualified over a year ago, and then the recent one that was qualified. And the first one that was qualified, the title and summary said, this is a, a tax increase on commercial properties and blah, blah, blah from there. Uh, when Attorney General Becerra wrote the second one, because the CTA went to him in advance, which made it political, he wrote it, provides more funding for schools and local communities, blah, 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 and makes the world a better place. Um, <clears throat> we kind of think that there was somewhere in between those two, it was best for California voters to have be able to make a real decision. The measure itself allows the legislature to make determinations of definitions. In the first measure that they didn't end up going with, it allowed the assessor to make a determination of whether or not if your home was used for uh, podcasts or your home was used for um, uh, Uber or Lyft, or your home was, you took a tax deduction for an office uh, house, uh, you could have your property reassessed, your residential property reassessed by the assessor. Well, they realized what we realized immediately, well, we can't let that be there because we'll be killed. And so what they did was they said, if there's any questions about determinations or uh, definitions, the legislature is now allowed to make those definitions and those determinations with a 50% majority. So we believe that that'll be a game that they play later on in the legislature. And that's why we raised that issue. Uh, we still think that homeowners are at risk. And certainly anybody who's followed the proponents of Prop 15, each and every one of them for years and years, if not decades, have been in favor of eliminating Proposition 13 in California. So yes, we're the first targets, but they're really after the big prize, which are the homeowners in California. So there's I see. I see. Uh, th thanks for talking about the the, the court issues because I did see that um, there was an issue around taxing businesses out of the home, and, and if you read the if you read the actual um, ballot summary, it says, no, they're not going to do that. But, but now I understand kind of where the confusion is, which is you're saying the legislature, you know, could come in and, and change some of the definitions around. So thanks for clarifying that for me. Um, I have one, one final question um, about transparency. Um, just very briefly, I think um, proponents of new taxes will always say that there's full transparency in how, how the revenues are spent and how taxes are spent. And the opponents say this, no, it's a blank check. It's going to be, it's going to go here, here, but not to the schools. So can you kind of elaborate on why uh, supporters claim transparency and, and why you would, um, or, or do you, if you disagree with that and, and why? 
Sure. I don't even know how they can claim transparency. Uh, what they say is that 40% of the money will go to schools and 60% of the money will go to local government. That's it. That's the only direction they give. Uh, they don't talk about reduction of class size, hiring more teachers, getting more products. They don't talk about what local governments can do to provide better services. It's just 60% here, 40% there. And by the way, that's after they pay uh, the assessors what it costs them to implement. So it's not mm -hmm. 40% of 12 billion and be 40% of 11 billion. But so there is no, no accountability, no, and, and they're certainly transparent because they just say 40 and 60. But the fact of the matter is that most political observers in California, um, people who have been involved in politics even longer than I have, agree that more than likely this money is going to be used to backfill pensions of the uh, teachers and of the SEIU membership, which is why the two groups are so dedicated to making this pass. Interesting. I see. The legislative analyst office says that the the revenues or how they they spend the monies is is published later on. But I think what you're saying is that there's that's kind of an after effect. There's no promises about where it's it's spent. They'll just tell you kind of okay, here's how we spend it. So. If there is one thing, and when the voter goes into the booth, uh, and that they see Prop 15 pop up there, if there's one thing in the, that you want to stick in their mind, what would that be? The, the one thing I'd want to say is that uh, uh, the, the total group need to know, voters need to know that in California, a spectrum of folks have come together, whether it be agriculture or the NAACP or the county assessors, that this is bad for California. This is bad for California consumers. It's bad for California taxpayers. And I think that message is California doesn't need a $12 billion tax hike in the middle of the pandemic that we're facing and now the rolling blackouts. Okay, that was very informative. Thanks so much for your time today, Rex. Ryan, thank you very much. That wraps up our episode on Proposition 15. We want to thank Reverend Ben McBride and Rex Heim again for joining us. If you want to learn more about arguments in favor of Prop 15, check out yes15.org from the Schools and Communities First team. Or to learn about arguments against Prop 15, check out noonprop15.org from Stop Higher Property Taxes and Save Prop 13. We usually plug our own social media, but for now, we'd rather you just make sure you're registered to vote and that you check your registration status. If you live in California, you can go to registertovote.ca.gov, or for any state or territory in the U.S., go to vote.gov. Thanks again for listening. See you at the polls.